Chapter 9. Wanting the Right Things Determining your basic needs is the easy part. Everything else falls into the category of wants. Remember that you can have everything you want if you want the right things. This chapter will explore some of the ways people get roped into thinking that they want things that turn out to be boat anchors. There are diverse ways and means contrived to separate you from your money. My goal is to help you hang on to at least a part of it. If you have a habit of collecting boat anchors, then read on. You might just learn a few things. Door-to-door salesman. I really should not be too hard on door-to-door salesmen since I put myself through college selling Fuller Brush Co. and other products door-to-door. Conversely, my roommate got up at 3 a.m. five days a week to work a four-hour shift cleaning the Harris Fine Arts Center at BYU inside and out. I worked in sales for one hour per day going door-to-door and made more money than he did cleaning for 20 hours a week. Admittedly, he had perks I did not have, like finding out that the ladies' restroom actually has a lounge area inside that the men's room goes without. Other than that, I think I had the better gig. I could have worked more hours, but I was making enough to sustain myself at one hour per day, and any more would have cut into my social schedule or sleep. Then there's always homework, of course. One of the reasons my fuller brush route was so profitable is because I only sold between 5 to 6 p.m. when I knew that most people, even mothers who worked, would be home fixing dinner for their families. My commission schedule was 42% of the retail price, so I did not have to sell a lot to make a bundle. Fuller brush products are high quality and people are generally willing to pay more for quality, but 42% more? The reason I bring this up is not to disparage honest, hardworking salespeople, but rather to show you that whoever is in your living room pitching anything has a high motivation to close the sale and collect the commission. But you must ask yourself why he or she is trying to sell you something that you were not even in the market for until he rang your bell. I have been party to many sales presentations, and I know how compelling they can make their products or services sound. You feel like whatever widget is being offered is not even a want, it's a need. How did you ever live before that day without this amazing device? Let me give you an example. Have you ever heard of rainbow vacuum cleaners? You might even have one in a closet somewhere if the rainbow salesman stopped at your house too. Back in the 1970s, after listening to a sales pitch, we wanted to buy a rainbow vacuum because it really is a better mousetrap. It not only cleans your house and your furniture top to bottom, but cleans all of the air inside your house and brushes your kids' teeth too. I might not have remembered that last part quite right, but I do remember that it was amazing and we really wanted to get one. But we did not bite because the price was $399. Other vacuum cleaners that might not work as well, but would still pick up dirt were under $100 and $400 just did not fit on our pizza. That made the decision easier. Isn't having a spending plan a wonderful thing? My sales background told me that his commission was probably somewhere between $150 to $200 per unit. Why didn't they just sell rainbows in the store next to the $100 vacuums? Simple. Because just looking at the thing will not make you want to buy it. You have to be pitched in order to make you think it is really worth the extra money. And that is why they use commissioned salespeople. A good rule of thumb, do not buy anything unless it's your idea first and you are actually shopping for the best deal on the item that you have already decided to buy. Why should some peddler put something on your wish list that was not already there, no matter how desirable it might appear to be in the moment? I just did a search on eBay to see if rainbow vacuums are still being sold. Believe it or not, you can still buy one for the low price of only $1,399. Line up and get yours quickly. At that price, they will go fast. 
On the other hand, you could always get your kids a new round of toothbrushes for about 10 bucks and save a bundle. I pulled this example from the 1970s because that is when we were setting up our household. Here is another one, same scenario, different day. A salesman came to the door with the world's greatest water softener. We lived in an area where the water was particularly hard, but being interested in solving the problem, we let him in. After we got to the part where the water would be so soft we would never have to brush our teeth, good thing we did not buy the rainbow vacuum, we got to the price, only $1,000. Now the $400 rainbow was looking better all the time. Too bad it did not soften water. To put 1970s dollars in perspective, $1,000 would be equal to about four months mortgage payments. To make the $1,000 price tag easier to swallow, the company was throwing in a lifetime supply of soap. Well, I already knew how amazing soap can be in in a sales presentation because I had done it myself for several years, but even with that background, this soap was so amazing, we really wanted to get a lifetime supply. So can you see how an effective salesman can shift something from your wants to your needs? Nevertheless, we did not bite because that purchase would not have fit on our pizza. Isn't having a spending plan a wonderful thing? Fast forward 30 years to show you that they are still out there. Another salesman in another town approached another young couple with a water softener that they just could not live without. In fact, it would increase the value of their new home. It was only $3,250. Amazing what inflation can do to the value of a dollar. But do not worry about the price because we have easy terms. Make no payments for one year with no interest. If you cannot pay for it within that year, then the interest will start. Never mind that the rate is 22% because surely your ship will come in before the payment is due, right? Wrong. If drinking water is the motivation, there are other options. Do you know how much bottled water you can buy for $3,250? I suspect more than you will drink in a lifetime. With a spending plan in place, impulse purchases like this will not happen no matter how much you like the salesman. If it does not fit in your spending plan, you just say no. It is as simple as that. If you really need a water softener, then the right way to acquire one is not from a salesman in your living room. Instead, you need to shop all brands available and make the best spending decision you can after you have educated yourself on all available options. It is always easy to choose from a universe of one, but do yourself a favor. Only make major purchasing decisions after you have become educated on all the options and after you have verified that the plan purchase fits within your spending plan in cash. Another salesman at a different presentation talked a young couple with small children into buying very expensive smoke alarms. Here's the story in her own words. I think you should include our experience of getting swindled into buying $2,000 plus worth of fancy smoke detectors after going to one of those dinners. I think this is an important example because the salesman used a tactic that I had never experienced before in that they played on my feelings as a mother. They essentially stole my sense of security. They showed us lots of information that made us believe that no other smoke detectors worked. That if we didn't buy theirs, we were risking the lives of our family and that we were going to have a fire and that at least one of our children would die. When I think about it now, it makes me a little angry, but at the time it totally caught me off guard and I was completely sucked in. At the time, I didn't feel like I was being snookered because it wasn't the typical sales pitch, something that would just be great to have and make your life easier. It was like life and death. Do you believe now that they are still out there? Stay alert. This is probably a good time to address easy terms. Vendors know that people only have so much money and that big ticket items are easier to swallow in small bites. So they come up with credit plans that make it only so many dollars per month. Run away as fast as you can. 
Do not give in to the lure of buying things on installment payments. Cash is king. Do not get sucked into believing that the easy payment plan does not include interest. If that really is true, then the interest has been built into the price of the item and you will be able to do better if you shop around and pay cash. Those monthly payments eat into the future purchasing power of current dollars. When you have added a few easy monthly payments to your budget, there will not be enough to go around for your current needs. Do not mortgage your future for things you cannot afford to pay cash for today. If this is not resonating within you, then reread chapter 6, Why We Are Slaves, Debt. It is also a very convenient defense if you have a strict policy of never buying things on credit. You just tell the salesman that you do not buy on credit, period, and you cannot buy the world's greatest smoke detector because you cannot afford to pay cash for it. Isn't having a spending plan a wonderful thing? Another advantage of saving up for big ticket items instead of falling prey to the credit trap is simply that you are not very likely to make an impulse decision to buy a major purchase for cash. After you have spent money, budgeting, and saving, you'll be more judicious with those dollars. Do not buy timeshares. One of the best examples of overextending resources on things we do not really need is the popularity of timeshare ownership of vacation property. Sister Lindorf and I have been through probably more than our share of timeshare sales presentations because I am a sucker for the freebie they always promise to those willing to listen to a 90-minute sales presentation. If you are not rock solid in your determination to stick with your plan, my advice is to not even go. The best salesmen are attracted to big-ticket items that generate large commissions so the heat is on, and they can be very persuasive. Whatever freebie is offered is probably not worth the effort it will require to unlatch yourselves from the grip of an effective salesman. Sister Lindorf and I have a solemn pact that we renew whenever we are tempted to attend yet another timeshare pitch. It is simply this. If I want to buy it, she will say no. If she, and if she wants to buy it, I will say no. It takes both spouses to agree in order to sign up for one of these things. So as long as one of you is not on board, it will not fly. Why is timeshare ownership such, such a bad idea? It is not. If you are the developer, it is only bad if you are the consumer. It reminds me of the banks inventing 30-year mortgages because that is what is best for the bank and then convincing you that that is what is best for you too. They are sure doing a good job with that one. So let us examine timeshare or interval interval ownership from the developer's point of view. By the way, you will never hear this in a timeshare presentation. Suppose you have a resort property that you want to build a hotel on. Before the timeshare concept was invented, you would have borrowed money from the bank to build your hotel and furnish it. Hire and train the staff to run it, buy shuttle vans to get folks to and from, and have hired a marketing department to help attract people to come to your $200 per night hotel. After you had done all that, you would wait and hope guests would actually show up. If you build it, they will come, right? Well, maybe, but maybe not. Imagine your occupancy is 85% and your break-even is at 55%. Then you are happy with that hotel and making plenty of money. But what if your occupancy is only 50%? There's a lot of risk involved in the hotel business because sometimes you build it and they do not come. Shrewd marketers figured out that there was a way to ensure 100% occupancy at all times and have their overhead costs paid forever into the future. No more risk or worry about whether or not you will fill your hotel and pay your staff. And you can make a handsome profit right up front. Enter the interval ownership. People love to feel like they own something. It makes them feel warm and fuzzy somehow. When we figure out that we do not really own anything anyway, it makes it easier to resist. Real estate developers hire upscale marketing departments to package and sell their resort property to an unwitting public who are all too willing to cooperate. 
The beauty of this system is that they get to sell each and every room 50 times to 50 different people because they are actually selling weeks of use, 50 weeks of occupancy, and two weeks downtime for renovations. So if you and 49 other parties share the same hotel room, how much do you really own? I attended a timeshare presentation at Lake Tahoe, California, where the buy-in price for a week during the ski season was over $55,000. Off-season rates for a week of use each year were $35,000 to $40,000. So if you do the math, at an average priced week of, say, $40,000, you will figure out quickly that they are able to sell a 1,000-square-foot hotel suite for $2 million by selling the same room 50 times. A 250-suite hotel sold this way would fetch a cool $500 million in revenue up front, back out the hard costs of construction and marketing commissions, and they are still way ahead. No wonder they can afford to offer those attractive freebies. But that is not even the best part. If you are a developer or hotel operator, you will have ongoing expenses to keep your hotel running. Salaries, utilities, administration, upgrades, new carpet and paint, etc., Who's going to pony up for all these costs every year? You guessed it. Your new interval owners are going to each pay their share of all your operating expenses every year as one of the additional blessings of ownership. And because these weeks are actually deeded to the interval owners, they get to pay the property taxes too. How great is this? But it gets better because these new owners are obligated to pay their annual dues forever and since their heirs get to inherit this asset, sounds like a liability to me, they get to keep paying into perpetuity. It does not get any better than this picture for a developer or hotel operator. Where do I sign up? But I want to be on the developer's side of this equation, not on the uninformed public side. There is a saying, the lottery is a tax on people who are bad at math. I feel the same way about interval ownership. Do the math before you commit your hard-earned dollars to such an endeavor. I have heard of people who own multiple timeshares and I shudder at the thought. Be smart, just say no. I have been to timeshare presentations where sales are so brisk, the portion of the resort that has already been finished has been completely sold out, so they pre-sell additional phases before they are even built. Everyone wants a piece of the action, it seems. With capital accumulation like this, who needs a bank at all for a construction loan? Just sell your resort first, then build it. Where do I sign up? If, after all these disclosures, you still want to buy a timeshare, then I can tell you a better way to do it than signing up at the marketing presentation. Check out the secondary market for timeshares in the area you are considering. If the abundance of timeshares being offered at $0.10 cents on the dollar does not convince you, then buy one and find out for yourself why people who paid tens of thousands of dollars for a dream are willing to sell them so cheaply. The bottom line is this. No matter how much you think you need or want to own a week at a resort, you are better off renting a room when you actually want to go than being tied into a lifetime contract. What is commonly sold as an asset quickly turns into an annual liability. Once you turn that faucet on, you can never turn it off. That is not the type of asset you want in your portfolio. Next time you are tempted to buy a week of interval ownership or timeshare, consider going on a cruise instead. It is a much better value. You can do it every year for about what you would have to pay in annual dues and maintenance costs on your timeshare, and you can go to different destinations, not to mention that all your food is included. You can do it without a large upfront investment, and there are no lingering contracts. What a deal. Someone else cooks all your meals and makes your bed. You can eat any time of day or night, and if you tire of the restaurants and endless buffets, you can have room service, no extra charge. There's a variety of live entertainment on and off the boat, and you can actually play shuffleboard. 
if you can squeeze it into your day, or take shore excursions to exotic ports of call. A vacation does not get any better than that, and you'll be saving money to boot. Paying rent is not throwing money away, part two. I have heard that somewhere before, so before you plunk down 50 big ones to buy a week at Lake Tahoe and then annual dues forever, how much would you spend if you just rented a nice hotel for a week whenever and wherever you wanted to go? I dare say you would be money ahead by renting instead of buying, particularly if you shop for the abundant deals that are always available. Ditto to boats and motorhomes. Unless you are already retired and your plans are to spend quite a bit of time on the lake or on the road, you will find that the demands of life in most cases preclude using a boat or motorhome enough to justify the cost of ownership. Having a boat in the slip for the weekends can also lead to compromising your ability to keep the Sabbath day holy or being available to magnify your callings in the church as you get further away from home with your new toy. Better strategy? When you actually go on vacation, rent a boat at the lake where you are and turn it in when you leave. That will be the best money you ever spent because at the end of the week... The burden of ownership is someone else's. If you want to take a trip in a motorhome, then rent a motorhome for the trip and turn it back in at the end of the week. Why spend tens of thousands of dollars to own a motorhome that you might use at most a few times per year? For that matter, why take your whole house on wheels on vacation at all? At four to six miles per gallon, a trip of any length at all will burn up so much fuel that you could instead drive there in your 30 miles per gallon car and rent a nice hotel room for the money that you will save on gasoline. And you will not have to stay in a campground when you arrive. You might even be able to rent some unclaimed time from a timeshare property for even less money than a hotel. Renting underutilized timeshare properties is a side of interval ownership that is not readily advertised. If prospective customers were aware of how many empty timeshare rooms are in inventory, it could be bad for business. Unused weeks or weekends are available to anyone who wants them, generally for less money than a comparable hotel. A lot of timeshare weeks that are pre-sold go unused because after all, who wants to go to the same place every year? Even with the option to exchange your week for another location, with associated fees by the way, many of those pre-sold weeks are unused and are consequently available to all comers. And the best part is that when you leave at the end of the week, you do not have to keep paying. That is as good as it gets and you are not tied down to any particular property. Vacation wherever you wish, whenever you wish, with no strings attached. Sounds like the good old days before interval ownership. Multi-level marketing. MLM, that is short for run away as fast as you can. There are dozens of multi-level marketing companies that have become very successful and have survived for decades. People that are far enough up the food chain have actually done quite well, but that does not matter to you. Run away, no matter how persuasive the pitch is, because it is based on flawed logic. It is the greater fool theory. If you can create a large enough organization of salespeople downline to feed commissions upstream, you will not have to sell it all yourself. You sell the dream to others who then sell the same dream to their friends to build their organizations and everyone upline gets a cut whenever someone eventually buys the soap. The problem is that the soap has become so expensive due to all the levels of commissions that no one who just wants soap will buy it. Most of the soap, or whatever else is being sold via MLM, is what they like to call internal consumption. That means that the $2,500 starter kit you have to buy to get into the soap business serves to feed everyone upstream. But at the end of the day, not much real soap gets sold. 
As long as the organization keeps growing, there is not a problem, but inevitably no more fools can be found and then the whole pyramid comes crashing down. All you have left are a bunch of dreamers with garages full of overpriced soap. That is an oversimplified example, I admit, but the principle is still true. Do not buy anything for more than it is worth just because you think that you will be able to sell it for more later. That thinking is what fueled the dot-com bubble. People were buying stocks at hundreds of times their actual worth because they knew that next week or later that day, they would be worth more. That worked until the bubble popped and bubbles always do. Better strategy? Instead of filling up your garage with soap and unfulfilled promises, just buy the soap you need whenever you need soap. And buy it at the store, not from the guy in your living room, even if he is your brother-in-law. Schemes and scams. It would be nice if we did not have to worry about others' intentions, if we truly loved our neighbors as ourselves and they likewise. But unfortunately, in this world, there are plenty of folks who will only love you for your money, and their goal is to separate it from you. There is not a way to categorically define all the schemes and scams that are employed by the grifters of the world, but they usually have something in common. They feed on people's desires to get something for nothing or to get a quick return on their money that is more than reasonable for the apparent risk. If it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. When the music stops, they will have your money and you will have the experience. Not the best way to learn. Here's an example from our own early experience. We had just made some money on a real estate deal from the same salesman who was now pitching us for a no-lose timeshare deal in Hawaii. This time, he was not even in the living room. He was on the phone. Never buy anything over the phone. This deal was too good to be true, exactly. It was a timeshare for a week in Hawaii every year and included the first eight plane tickets to get over there. The price was only $3,000, and if I found 10 other people who wanted to buy one, mine would be free. Well, we had never been to Hawaii at that point and wanted to go, so it sounded to us like it was too good not to do it. Well, fortunately, the music stopped and our money disappeared before I got other people involved. There were no airplanes waiting to take owners to Hawaii. There may not have even been a real resort. I guess if you can collect enough money up front, you can build the resort later. The salesman in this case was not the grifter. He had been duped as well. That turned out to be a cheap lesson, but $3,000 in those days would have bought three water softeners with more than a lifetime supply of soap, or it would have bought so many rainbow vacuums I would not have any teeth left to brush. Nevertheless, it was a cheap lesson which probably saved us a lot of money later on by learning we need to be more wary. The larger the con, the more sophistication is needed to pull it off. Most of the time it is difficult to con an honest man, but you still have to be careful. Con artist schemes appeal to those who are looking for the quick buck. The old-fashioned earn-it-slowly types are less susceptible. Many forms of swindles masquerade as legitimate investments, so it is important to know not only who you are dealing with, but it is also important to research the underlying investment vehicles being promoted. Ask others with experience trading in that investment climate. Educate yourself so that your investment will not do it for you. When you get a little money set aside, there may be room in your investment portfolio for some speculation, but it should be a small percentage of your total investable assets, perhaps as little as 5%. Here's why. Never speculate with money you are not prepared to lose. The reason being that most of the time you will lose part or all of the funds you use to speculate. That is the nature of swinging for the fences. For every home run that you hit out of the park, there will be lots of strikeouts. My father, who was a fairly conservative investor, still enjoyed trying to hit the big one, but he was very disciplined in his approach. He did very well overall, but he definitely had his share of strikeouts. Just be careful and remember that no one will be as concerned about protecting your money as you will be. 
That goes for investment advisors and money managers too. If you do not want to deal personally with your investments, at least be educated enough to know where your money is and what it is doing. Trust those who are worthy of it and use a healthy dose of caution toward everyone else. There will be times when people you should be able to trust disappoint. In some cases, that is why you have two cheeks. In other cases, you will close the door. And it will be perfectly clear to you when the time comes which course of action is appropriate. To summarize, try not to accumulate boat anchors and be reasonably wary of anyone selling anything that was not your idea first. By doing so, you will be able to hold on much better to whatever is left. By being judicious and with any luck, you will have enough capital left over to start selling lemonade.